Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Um, but I feel like as a Christian, especially, well, it never really gets easier, but if you're a brand new Christian, it's really hard because the devil just wants you back. And so he is like, oh, oh no. Oh no, we are not letting this person stay in this friendship. We are not letting them stay in this church. And he wants you back in his realm. And I think a lot of people think you either have to be a Christian or a Satan worshiper just because you're not you know, worshiping Satan and praying to Satan doesn't mean that you don't belong to him. A lot of people belong to him and they would have no idea that they belong to him. They would have no, no clue at all. And we as humans don't have the ability to, to fight the other realm. I mean, we just can't, we are not strong enough, especially by ourselves. We are not strong enough and we are not strong enough if we don't have God with us. Now, if we have God and all that means is that you truly believe that you believe that Christ died for you. You are ready to admit and say, I cannot do this by myself. I don't want to do this by myself. I, I need your help. And you truly believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You're, you're saved. I mean, you, you now have the Holy spirit to work inside of you and fight your battles. And so people who don't have this, I just feel so bad because I feel like you're probably so exhausted. You're trying to do it by yourself. And for me, I was never a Satan worshiper. I've always believed in him. I knew that he was there. Um, nowhere near, <laughs> you know, worshiped him. I've always loathed him, but I was his for a while. I was a child of God, but I didn't really link up with that power and the capabilities that that gives me. And I just believed his lies and I was more under his authority and what he said. And I would hear like, you're not enough and you're worthless and this isn't going to work. And how are you going to pay your bills? And what are people going to think about you? And what are you going to do when you get older? And what kind of purpose do you even have? And I would just like overanalyze and overthink and just all of these like nasty thoughts and things would be going off in my head. And that is hormonal partially because those thoughts come back every week of the month that I'm somewhere like in whatever my hormonal cycle is for the month. I realize like the third week of every month is when I kind of get in my head a little bit. And so that does kind of come around, but when you're a new believer, the devil will try to get in your head. When you are a believer and a follower for a while, the devil's going to try to get in your head and pull you back. And if you've been a Christian forever, as long as you can remember, he's still trying to attack you. I mean, how valuable must a soul be if two people are fighting against it at all times? And I think it's so exhausting because once you have children and once you get married and you have children and you have this family, now the devil isn't just fighting you. Now he's trying to fight and steal your kids. And he's trying to fight and steal in your marriage. And that's exactly what he tries to do. If he can drive a wedge in a marriage and break it up, then those children are going to grow up in that brokenness. And they're going to have a different perspective of the world and what a mother and father should be and what a marriage should be. And this isn't to shame anyone who's been through divorce because divorce happens and any kind of sin happens, any kind of struggle is always happening. 
but how Satan gets his hand in there. And then he just starts meddling and messing with things and, and just does his work. And I really, I've been just like, so I've had a lot of time off from doing the calls. We did the call last week, Monday and Wednesday, Wednesday, I went to the elevation worship concert and that was amazing. And I had all kinds of like aha moments and just moments of crazy clarity. He talked about the woman with the issue of blood. And if you don't know that story, this woman, we don't know her name. She's the only person in the Bible that Jesus refers to as daughter addresses his daughter. And she was struggling with some internal bleeding issue for 12 years. And as he walked through a crowd, because while Jesus started healing people, when he was here, he was really quiet and didn't let anyone know that he was the Messiah until he was 30 around the age of 30. I don't know if you guys know that. So like, you know, up until the age of 30, I'm 32. So all the way up until the age of 30, he didn't really want anyone to know. He just kept saying like, now's not the time. Now's not the time. And so when he started performing miracles, he started doing it quietly. Like, do not tell anyone. And then he was like, it is time. Go tell all the people. And word started to travel through all the towns because there were people that had family members and themselves were struggling and dying. And they were thinking if this man is the Messiah and he can just heal people. He brought this man's daughter back from the dead. He healed this man who was paralyzed for the last 20 something years. He healed this leper that no one could even come within a hundred feet of him. He was healing all these people, people out of desperation were going to see him. And she just heard of that and thought, if I could just reach out and touch him in the crowd, I will be healed of my issue. And she did. She touched the bottom part of his cloak, the dirtiest part, the part that was all on the ground. And he turned around and he said, who touched me? Who was it? And she had touched him and slipped out of the crowd really fast. And he wanted her to know, he said, he didn't want her to think that she was just snatching something from him and feel guilty of that. Like I touched him and I stole that and I took it and feel greedy and guilty her whole life. He turned around and he said, daughter, it is your faith that has healed you, that you are healed. Now go. And he called her daughter to let her know, like, you didn't rob me. You didn't steal something from me. I am giving this to you. You are my daughter. And she was healed. And he says, by faith, you have been healed because all she did, all she did was believe. Like, that's all she did. She had this belief of if I can just touch him, I will be healed. And the scripture talks all about just believing, believe believe that it will come and it will. And it's not like a manifestation type of belief. Like if I want something to happen, I will, because I don't believe in manifestation of forcing things to happen. Like if you're listing, like writing 10 times in a row, like I will get married to, I will get married to this man, or you're trying to like change the way things are happening. I don't believe in that at all. Uh, I think a lot of it is very borderline witchcraft and is demonic. I believe linking with God in his actual literal sense of a word in scripture. And if it is his will, it will be done. Believe that you will be successful and the money's going to come and it will. Now, maybe he never gives you a million dollars. Maybe you're never famous like you want, or maybe you never blow up like you want. But if you believe it's the sense of your feelings throughout the day. If you believe something's going to happen, you're not worrying about it. You're not stressing about it. And that's the point, because if you're worried and stressed, now you're distracted. And now that anything that happens in your life, you're distracted. You're not hearing it. You, you, they don't hear you. It's like when I call for my kids upstairs and I yell their name and no one, no one yells back. And I'm like, how do you not hear me? And I get so mad. They're like, why do you get so mad? We can't hear you. Like, mom, we didn't hear you. If we heard you, we would have came. And I can't get mad at them and like discipline them and be mad that they didn't hear me. They didn't hear me. It's the same thing with us. If we're distracted, we can't hear. We can't hear from God. And so he wants us to more so 
follow the scripture in a literal sense because it's the feeling that it brings on us. It brings us peace. It brings us joy, the fruit of the spirits. And that's how we're supposed to live. Not with this like stress and hustle in our hearts because we want more and we want to do more and be more and have more. And like, why am I not being healed? Can you imagine suffering? And maybe you can, because maybe you have been suffering for 12 years. I'm sure the woman with the issue of blood wasn't like, oh, it's okay. And had no ill feelings towards it. I'm sure she had days where she was stuck in her house, days where she was crying on the floor, days where she felt hopeless and desperate. But it was in God's perfect timing. I mean, look, that message was written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was also um, written in a couple other Bibles or a couple other books and mentioned Look how many people now have learned about this woman. God had a bigger purpose. He didn't heal her 11 years before he did because God could have just healed her, but we wanted, they wanted the Messiah to heal her and to, and to be able to show all of these people and then write it in the books to then change the world forever. If she could see that perspective, she probably would have been a little bit more patient of thinking, I know I would have been, if God would have been like, okay, here's the plan. Let me show you the plan. Okay. Can you suffer for like 11 more years? And then my son is actually, it's going to be really cool. You're going to be in this big crowd. Everyone's going to turn and look at you. And then they're going to write about you. And everyone in the world who reads the Bible is going to know about you forever. Like, can you please just struggle for a little bit longer? I'm sure it would have been easier for her to hang on if she could cross off the days on her calendar and know, okay, only, okay, only 10 more years and three months and two days. It, it would be easier if we knew that there was an end, if we could see it, but we're promised that there is, we're promised that we will be healed. Our suffering will end. And that might be when you die, but you have eternal life. So it's not, you know, it's not like it's never going to happen. It will happen, but you have to trust God's timing. And so listening to this story at the Elevation Worship concert about the woman and the fact that she just believed that she would be healed. It really just irritates me so bad that the devil is still trying to get at me and all of, all of our people. Like when, I just want to be like, okay, devil, like when are you going to learn I'm not going anywhere. You're not going to mess up my belief. You're not going to get in my head and get away from me, get away from my family. I may look like I'm tired. I may be acting a little tired, but I am not going to give up. I am not going to do it because the devil just wants you to not believe. That's it. He wants you to not believe that you can do something where you're like, oh, I can't do that. Like write a book or change jobs or talk to this person or start a ministry or all these things that God puts in your heart and these visions and these dreams and these hopes, all these things that one day you feel like I want to do this, or maybe you don't even really have names for those things. It's just a feeling of, I know I'm made to do something more. This can't be just it. It has to be something more. If that's you and you know that, then the devil is just going to try to get you to just not believe because if that woman didn't believe, she never would have went into the crowd that day. Who knows how far it was from her house. And she was struggling with this issue. She's handicapped and she's making this long journey. They didn't have Uber back then. They didn't have cars back then. They didn't have carriages back then. Only wealthy people had donkeys and stuff. Maybe she wasn't, if she was by herself, who knows, maybe she was single, didn't have kids, didn't have a lot of money. And she was walking to this place. I mean, we don't really know a whole lot about her story, but I'm sure it wasn't easy to get there. I mean, even right now, if I said you have to go somewhere by your house, that's five miles away and you're not allowed to use your car or your phone or your electricity. And you also have to take your shoes off and get there. Like, that would be pretty hard. You're like, five. are you serious? These people walked 40 miles all the time. They walked a hundred miles all the time. Like, yeah, we're going to go over here for dinner. Like I'm not walking a hundred miles to go to dinner. Are you serious? Like, but that's what they did. So it was so hard for her to get there. And it started with her belief. So I know that I struggle with my own belief. I struggle with my belief all the time. 
So I know if I do, you have to as well. Thoughts, whether you live there or it's there for a second, you do struggle. Like, could I do that? Maybe you have this dream that's huge and you are like embarrassed to even tell people because you're like, okay, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to, there's no, I don't think that that's, now I just sound silly. Like nobody's going to believe this. This is like, you can't even like say it out loud just to yourself. Because you're like, I, I don't know, like best-selling author or speaking on stage or starting a nonprofit or starting a business, uh, moving to a different state. These things that are just like, I don't know, that doesn't even make sense. Or how would I even figure that out? Or, and you just don't believe. And I am so sick of the devil attacking our belief and making us impatient. Because if we're impatient, we miss everything that's happening right now. It's, it's like kids on Christmas. I despise Christmas that's Americanized. I, I hate it. And I struggle every year. And I really just try to make the most of it. And it's for the kids. And come on, like, just have a, a good spirit about it. Don't be negative and miserable. But I hate Christmas. Yesterday, actually, it even crossed through my mind that I was like, oh my gosh, my mother-in-law is going to start buying Christmas presents very soon. She usually starts like June and July. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Being like, tell me things you want. And she start, and I'm like, this is about to start already. And I just, I don't know why that thought even came in my head while I was driving, but that's how much I hate it as I think about it all the time. And the reason why I hate it is because, I mean, the obvious reason, like, Yes, people are like, oh, it's Jesus's birthday. But like, that's it. Nobody cares. It's, I want to like study it and know it. And then when I started studying it, I realized that Jesus's birthday is actually not even on December 25th. I heard that. I was like, what? Like, why are we celebrating this then? Like, it's really Americanized. Like, they're like, oh, let's throw it and just say it's Jesus's birthday. And then people will celebrate it and buy gifts and you can spend more money. It's like all a big scam, like just to buy gifts and to, to buy things and buy presents and spend money on all this stuff, okay? Like the reason why I hate it is because if the kids see, I same, I hate all the holidays. I feel like Scrooge and my husband calls me Scrooge. I'm like, listen, I'm not Scrooge, but I just wish that we could change this. Like, let's do something. So the reason why I hate it is because my kids will get, I only buy all the presents because that's what the world does. If it was up to me, we wouldn't even buy presents. You'd get one present and you'd be happy. I buy presents because the world buys presents. And if I don't buy presents, then it makes me look bad. And my kids are like, why am I not buying presents? You know, and then Santa and all of this stuff that I'm just conforming to the world. And I buy them all these presents of all these things that they don't need with money we probably shouldn't be spending. And if they see that they have 10 presents, they're like flying through the presents to get to present 10. They're just like opening it like, oh, thank you so much. Like next one, open, oh, thank you so much. And you're just setting like, oh, this gift, like, oh, let me just, you know, open it. So cool. Um, we don't buy presents. The kids get tons of other stuff from other people. It's crazy. And that's the other thing. Yeah. You're going to like in-laws and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all this stuff. I'm like, it's not even Christmas day yet. And you've already opened 30 things. <laughs> Come on. But you you're rushing through all of the things that are happening for literally just to open all of these things, to open all of these gifts. You're just ripping them open. And you're not really seeing the gift of what it is and appreciating it and seeing this is my gift. If you got one thing, like my friend is Jewish and they do 12 presents over Hanukkah and the 12 presents, like that is so cool. They get one present a day. You open the pair of slippers. You love the slippers for a whole day. You, they bring you so much joy. You put them on. You're so excited. You have new slippers. And then the next day you're like, oh, look, now I got a blanket. Oh, I love this blanket. Like you can really enjoy each and everything when we're living to be impatient and we want this thing that's coming. Like I want to speak on stage. I want a best-selling book. I want to start a business. I want to be a millionaire. I want to make a bunch of money. I want to take the pressure off of my husband and pay off this debt. I want to increase my credit score. I want to get my business up and running, whatever this thing is that you're just constantly seeing in your future, 
it's causing you to really miss out on the things that are happening today. All of the little things that are happening today, the blessings, the answer to prayers, maybe it's people that are coming into your life that God needs you in their life. And God's like, oh, okay, let's send so-and-so over to Melanie because I know that Melanie will really encourage her and, and will help me out here. And then Melanie's friend calls her, but she's too busy because she's stressing about her book that she's writing. And she's like, I can't, I can't answer this phone call. I just, I need this book out. I need to be a best-selling author. I need to make money. I need to do this. And, and now you're missing out on an assignment that God had for you that day. And if you knew, if you took a step back and you could see which one was more important to help out this friend and breathe some encouragement into her and help her impact her life that day, breathe some life into her, get her on the right path, get her going. Don't you think it's more important to build her up in this day than it is to write a thousand words or to even be a best-selling author? I mean, really, but we can't see that because we're blinded, because we're so distracted, because we're impatient. And all we want is this thing that's happening over here. So we don't even see the rejection. We don't even see the defeat on our kids' faces when they ask us a question and we're looking at our phone and we don't respond to them. And then they ask us again. And then you still don't respond because you're doing something on your phone. And you might be scrolling on Instagram, like, just doing something mindless. You might be checking an email or like you need to like look at something for the school. You might not just be like addicted to social media because I am not addicted to social media and I do not scroll on my phone. I absolutely actually hate social media, which is a huge battle for me showing up on social media all the time when I don't want to be there, but I know it's what's going to make an impact. So I don't do this when I'm just scrolling social media. I do this when I'm actually doing things on my phone. Like I'm, I need to check something in my bank or my, my husband's texting me and asking me if I can book a plane ticket for him for work or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, I don't really hear my kids when I ignore them. Like I don't hear them ask me three times. The third time I'm like, okay, what did you say? What did you say? Like I tell me what you said. But my husband, when my kids ask my husband a question and he ignores them, I instantly can hear it. You know, it's like easier to hear it in other people than it is to you. I'll be in the kitchen and my husband's in the living room with the kids and Skylar will be like, daddy, look at my dress. And he doesn't say anything. And I want to like call him out and I'll go in there. And I'll be like, she just said, daddy, did you see my dress? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I did. I'm like, why you didn't hear her? He's like, yes, I did. You didn't answer. I mean, you were on your phone. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. I knew you were on your phone because you ignored her. You wouldn't have ignored her if you weren't on your phone. You would have answered her. And it's so hard when you're ignoring when you're ignoring these kids. You know, you don't you don't hear them ask for it because you're distracted. It's not that you don't love your kids. It's not that you would ignore them intentionally. You're just distracted. And being impatient totally will distract you. I knew that distractions were like having your mindset on earthly things. Like, and that's really, that's really kind of this is the same thing, but it's a little bit different. When our mind is set on earthly things, things that we want to buy, things that we want to achieve, we're distracted. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Doing that is causing you to be distracted, being impatient of why is this not happening? Why is my brand not blowing up? Why am I not making six figures a year yet? Why am I not making enough money to quit my job yet? Why am I not selling enough products? Why am I not having more of an influence online? Why am I not further along? Like, come on now. I've been doing this for five years. Why am I not farther along than I am right now? And we have to just stop thinking about that. And we have to just start living in the now. Living in the space of right now. What is happening right now that you have been given authority over? Like you're a mom, you were given that authority. God said, you're going to raise my child 
just like God said to Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You know how scary that probably was? I think about that all the time. Like if I was raising the Messiah, like if they're like, you're going to call him Jesus. He's going to be the, the one, the son who comes and saves the world. Don't mess it up. And like, poof, the angel just like disappears. You're like, I don't know how to do this. I mean, Mary was a teenager. Wasn't like she was 35 and read all the parenting books. She was a teenager who hadn't even had sex yet. And I really believe, I know that God uses broken people or people that aren't the picture perfect model of what you should use for a few different reasons. And if you read the Bible, it's covered in stories of people like this that weren't the picture perfect people that God would have used. And it starts literally with, I mean, it doesn't start. Jesus's life starts by being born to a woman who wasn't married yet when she, and she didn't have sex and they were from a bad town. It wasn't like he was born into royalty and money. Like, okay, this is going to be the king of the world. We're going to put him over here with this rich family in this really nice town. No, where he was from, like Jesus of Nazareth, like, oh, yikes. He's from Nazareth. Like, yeah, he is definitely not the Messiah. I mean, that's literally what people were saying. Like, oh, no, he, <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Let me just tell you, he's not, he's not the Messiah. Cause I know where he's from. God always used people that were a surprise. And I was writing in church on Sunday, all of these points. And I don't know, they came from God. They came from the Holy spirit because I don't even know why I started writing them. I just started like writing them and numbering them. And I was thinking about this, God using broken people because we think that we're broken that that's a bad thing. Like, oh, oh no, I'm broken. Anything that's broken, right? You break something. I mean, the term broken is like shattered, dismembered. It's broken. It can't be put back together. Even if you do put it back together, it's not as good as its original first time around. You break a plate, a handle, the little side falls off, you glue it back on. Okay, maybe, you know, you can still use it and it doesn't look that bad, but it's still not as good as it was. But I think that brokenness is so beautiful and I can see, cause I'm not in the emotion of the brokenness and other people. I'm in the emotion of the brokenness of myself. So that's my perspective lens that I have on. I can't really see through it the right way. Cause I'm just too close to it. Too many emotions there, too much hurt. It's all kind of clouded by my issues that I've struggled with in my life and my own hurts and traumas. But when I see someone else being broken, I, I don't feel your pain like you do, like what you've gone through, what you've been through, what you've had to overcome, what's been said to you, what do you, what were you born into, what kind of addictions, what kind of chains, think about the things that you do that you wouldn't want people to know about. Like, I'm not going to make a reel on Instagram doing this thing, or I'm not even going to tell people that I'm doing this thing because it's just, it's just terrible. Every single one of us has those things. I have those things that I would not just go on here and be like, this is what I do. This is what I struggle with. We all have those things. And, and the reason why we don't say this is what we do. This is what we struggle with is because we think that being vulnerable and sharing those things is going to make us an outcast. And people are going to think that we're bad and we're dirty and we're wrong and we're filthy with sin. And and people are going to judge us and they're not going to accept us because everyone just acts like they don't have those things in their life. And everyone acts like, oh, I know I'm fine. Like I've come so far. I don't do things like that. And maybe your thing is an awful thing that you do that you're really trying to break. Maybe it's not that awful, but every single person has something. And let me just tell you that God doesn't love you any less because you do that thing. God isn't going to hold back blessings from you and condemn you because you're doing that. Because while you were sinning, he was dying on the cross for you while you were sinning. Not, oh, because on that day they didn't sin. So here you go. No, if we were not sinning on our own, Christ wouldn't have had to come here and die for us. We are all sinners, all of us, every single one of us. 
And every single one of us is broken to a certain extent. We have brokenness in us. And instead of looking at your brokenness as a sword in your side or a shackle around your ankle or a dark prison cell that the devil has you put in, if you realize that being broken is step one to having an abundant, free, fulfilled life with Christ, it's actually amazing because you're at step one. Like, thank God you had this all happen to you because God's going to use it for good. That feeling of wanting to do something more, knowing that you were made for something bigger, it was put in you by God because you were designed to do something bigger than what you think you can. You were designed to do more than just sit in an office and fill out data paperwork. You were designed to do something more than just go and sort the clothes at the retail store and check people out. You were designed for more than just selling insurance or selling houses or any kind of sales job. We stay in places where we're miserable because we don't think that we're, we're good enough to do anything else and fear and shame and all of this keeps us where we are. But imagine if you really truly believed that you were created for something way more than what you're doing right now. And God just says, be patient and live moment by moment. What assignments do I have for you right now? What authority do I have you over? Where have I placed you? You were placed in those areas, your family. You were given your house. You are given your meals. You are given your children. You were given your husband. And we can have all of that and still be stressing and freaking out because we're not getting this over here and we want something more and we want to achieve more and we want to have more and we want this. So we're neglecting and ignoring this because we're trying to build something over here and the devil's distracting you. You have an assignment. Your kids are not your kids. Your kids are God's kids and he gave them to you to watch over and to help raise them. You didn't. Well, you did do something. <laughs> you did do something to get pregnant, but you didn't really do anything after that point. Like, oh, it, it, it's not that hard to get pregnant. <laughs> it's not like that tough. Like, gosh, I got to go get pregnant again. You know, like you get pregnant and then you literally don't even have to do anything. And this baby is made inside of you and you deliver the baby without even having to know what to do. You deliver this baby and then this baby grows up and learns to do everything. And you still have no idea what you're doing. I mean, you're, I thought that when you're a mom, you would know what you're doing and you'd be like, oh, I know how to do this. And I'm like, well, it's just because I'm a new mom. Like, and I don't know how to do this, but once I'm a mom for a little while, like I'm really going to get this mom thing down. And I'm like, okay, the boys are almost 13. And I, like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Like zero clue, no clue. Like you do this thing. It doesn't work. You do this. It doesn't work. Then all of a sudden this works. And you're like, okay, I guess that just worked out. Like you have no clue. You're doing the best you can because you're not the one in charge of raising your kids. God is you're co-parenting with your kids but it, you are needed in those kids' lives. <laughs> Terry, four grown children and six grandchildren, and I still don't have a clue. <laughs> and all of us would say that. I mean, you know, we might know some things and we've learned through the years, like, oh, don't do this or make sure you do that. But when it comes down to it, we really don't know what we're doing because we were entrusted to raise our kids. But if the world can distract you you won't spend a lot of time raising them. You'll let the world raise them because the world is also raising you. And the, the things that I wrote down in church on Sunday. So after you realize that you're broken and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm broken in sin or trauma or abuse, or, you know, this happened to me. Like I just, you have no self-worth. You feel like you have no clue who you are, what you're here for why you're even here, you know that you feel awful and you just want to feel better. 
that was me. And I would journal it all the time. Like, I just want to feel better. I don't even know what better means. I just want to feel better than I do right now. Why do I feel so bad? And I would say it over and over and over. I would hit a new rank and I would say, if I hit this rank, why do I still feel so bad? If I'm making more money than I'd ever made, why do I still feel so bad? Because that was supposed to stop it all. I was working so hard in the stress and the distractions and the craziness, because if we could just make money, it would feel so good and everything would go away. I was working for this feeling that you only get from Christ, thinking I was going to get it from the world. And the whole time, the devil was distracting me from my family. And my boys weren't raised with their mom around. And my girls weren't raised with their mom around because I might've been sitting in this office, but I was not mentally around. I was not mentally available because I was in here working and they were out there and I was focused on this because it's what the world said I should want. So once you realize that you're broken, he does that. The reason why he doesn't use whole people that are just like, just, you know, I'm just so whole and perfect. Now he does, so it'll be different, but I'm talking to the person who is broken is because when you're broken and it works again, God gets the glory. Like my marriage was broken. It was broken, broken, broken. We were about to get divorced four years ago, very close for nine months. I over and over and over and over again, told my husband that I wanted a divorce and he kept telling me no. And I was miserable for nine months. And all I wanted was to divorce my husband. My marriage was broken, but God restored it and he gets the glory because when we tried to do it in our own strength, it didn't work. And I can't explain to you what happened to make sense, but it was just all of a sudden my feelings changed. Like it was literally all of a sudden I was at an event and all of a sudden I just, I missed my husband and I love, it was like, literally like. I felt like I, I was telling my mom yesterday, like, I truly feel like I was possessed by a demon. Like, I feel like I had this, this darkness over me, this, just this, it was just this darkness. And I was just not thinking clearly. And I even was saying like, my plan is better than God's plan. I'm not going to follow God's plans anymore because his plans never work out for me. I'm going to follow my own plans. And my husband would be like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I'm like, well, God's plans don't work. So here I am. I'm just going to do my own thing because I can count on myself. I can rely on myself. And I, I don't know. It was like literally like a snap of a finger. I just missed my husband and I wanted to come home. And from that moment, I just, my heart has been totally different. God gets, gets the glory. When you are an addict and this addiction is breaking you and it's ruining your life, God can and will heal you. And when he does, God will get the glory because one day you couldn't stop doing the drug and all of a sudden you're not doing it anymore. Now you might live with that for 10, 12, 20, 30, 40 years. I don't know when it won't be there anymore, but God will get the glory when it's healed. Um, The second reason why he does it is because he makes you rely on him. So Moses had something going on with his speech. He either had a stuttering problem or he was really quiet. Um, Stuff in the Bible points to that. There was something going on with his speech. And why why wouldn't God use someone who was a really great speaker to go and speak to the kings? And to tell him the message that he had for him. Why use Moses? Why use that person that has that path? Or like Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector and everyone hated tax collectors. They were taking their money from them. They were robbing them. They were stealing from them. It's funny now that we just like freely pay taxes, you know, and don't even think about it because we've done it for so long. But back then when it first started, they're like... I'm not going to work my butt off and you're going to take 10% of what I, what I make. Are you serious? And people hated him. And when he stopped being a tax collector and literally left everything he had to, to go follow Christ, it took a while for people to really come around to him. 
why wouldn't God use someone that was just super liked to follow him and, and to use his message? Because he gets the glory when the person is changed. And because in order to, once you're broken and you need help, like if Moses had a stuttering problem and had to go up to the king, don't you think that he would have to rely on God a little more than he would if he was just naturally gifted at speaking? Like, honestly, we, if we're good at something, we don't really need to pray about it. Like if you're good at it, you're not, you're not sitting there praying for something. And so he gets the glory. It makes you rely on him, which makes you spend more time with him. And that's truly what he wants from us is our time. Because if you're trying to be mentored by someone, I've mentored thousands of people over the last seven years. I had 10,000 people that I was mentoring at one point, <laughs> 10,000 people that were wanting to do something more and I was helping them and pouring into them. And so when you, when you want to be mentored and you want to learn what this person learns, you want to be like this person. So we want to be like Christ. We want to learn his ways. We want to get better at believing. We want to get better at having patience. You know, we know all these problems like, okay, I'm impatient. I don't believe, but what Taryn, what do I do to change it? What you need to do to change it is to spend time with God. So you learn his character, which is one of the things that I would have people do. If I was mentoring them, you need to spend time with me. You need to get familiar with my ways. You need to learn hands-on. You need to see me in action. If you're not spending time with God, you're not learning his ways. You're not seeing him in action. You have no idea for yourself what to do and how to be like him. So you have to spend time with him, waking up with him, listening to this podcast, getting on the podcast live. So you have accountability and you can sit and you can listen and you can show up because you know that it's 915 and I have to get on the podcast. If you've never gotten on live with us, you can just go to my Instagram, Terrence Arconi, and click the link in my bio, scroll down a little bit, and you can request to join the calls live. You'll get an email with all the Zoom information and our group chat link on Telegram with all of our resources in it. And just like that, you can be in our community. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to achieve anything. That's it. And you can join our community and start showing up. You can wake up and listen to a devotional. You can get the Bible app and you can literally listen to like five, six minute devotionals in the morning. You can get a devotional from Amazon and you can, you can wake up and you can do a little day in your book. You can read your Bible. You can listen to a sermon. You can go to church. There's so many things that you can do to learn about God. My favorite, I've had a few people ask me this again recently, so I wanted to mention it on here. My favorite Bible ever to read is the New Living Translation, the NLT. It's the easiest on the eyes and on the brain. It's like modern day language, so you understand it. It's not all confusing like Shakespeare, but it's the chronological Bible. And yes, you should have another Bible so that you can look up scriptures, but this Bible, they took all the books and put them in order of how it goes from beginning to end, which is super cool because you can literally just pick it up and read it like a story. Like you don't have anything to do, go read a chapter or two and you can see exactly what goes through. And this is so great. Um, oh, Terry says that's what she's reading right now. It's making so much more sense, isn't it? Like, you're like, oh yeah, okay, this makes so much sense. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's seriously so good. And if you have never read the Bible, that is a great place to start. Chronological Bible, New Living Translation. You can get it for 15 bucks, large print on Amazon. And it even has Jesus's writing in red and it's large print. So it's not super tiny. It's easier to read. Um, but just a little plug for that, but you would need to spend time with God learning this and learning hands-on. You also need to learn to stay close to him, even when it gets hard, 
because that's when we really grow is when we have tension in our lives over time that makes us grow. So if you're going through something hard, you need to stay even closer because you're going to learn lessons through that period of tension that you would never learn if you weren't in that tension. So we pray like, Lord, help me achieve this in my business. I want to be on the stage at MGM. I want to speak in front of 10,000 people. I want to be there to motivate and inspire and speak over. And I want it so bad. And I want to be a best-selling author so bad. And I want to just change the world with this message. I want women to know they're not alone. I want to help them unlock their purpose. I want this so bad. But I'm going to be really transparent with you and tell you, I am not at a place right now where I can stand on stage and speak to 10,000 people and deliver an amazing, awesome powerhouse message. I'm not. If right now someone was like, come speak on stage for us, I would probably turn it down because I am not at a place where I'm ready to do that. I'm not, there are things that I need to learn in order to do this. Also, I am not ready to have an Instagram account of 1 million followers because I can't take that kind of rejection. I know you think 1 million followers seems pretty great and like everyone loves you, but go to someone's page that has a million followers and go read the comments. Do you know what people say about Britney Spears on her Instagram? If you go to her Instagram page and you read the comments, you would be crying if somebody said that about you. And it's not like one comment. She posts a video and will get like thousands and thousands of people saying, are you on crack? Why would you post this? You look so fat. I wish you looked like you used to. Why do you have a gap in your teeth? You need Botox. You shouldn't have another baby. You shouldn't have all of these things. Can you even imagine getting those? I, I could not. Melanie says she's 100% fallen down that rabbit hole of reading the comments on other people's accounts. It makes her depressed. The world is so filled with hate. So filled with hate. And it's also filled with love, but it's also filled with hate. And if you show up as your true, real, vulnerable, authentic self, and you get to a million followers, I promise you're going to have thousands of people who also can't stand your face, who also can't stand the way you talk. Are you ready for that? Because if you want a huge account and you want a huge passion and mission and all of this, wouldn't that crumble you? I mean, would that totally cripple you? Are you the person that needs the approval of people so bad and you can't take those kind of mean comments? Is it worth it? No, you need to get to a place where you don't care about those comments. You don't read them. You don't look at them. You do not care about them. Not, you don't just say you don't care. There's a difference when you're like, oh, I literally do not care. And usually if I say the word literally, it, it means the opposite. It's like, I'm trying to overcompensate. So I'm like, no, literally do not care. And John will be like, well, you said literally. So you probably do care. I'm like, oh, I do care. Like, I care so much. Like, I just want to not care. Like, you actually won't care. And when you're ready and you do not care and you and that, that rejection falls away, you're going to blow up. There are things that you need to go through and overcome and realize. And in order to do that, God sometimes puts you in a different emotional state. So you can learn a lesson. The only way that you can learn to overcome rejection is by being rejected and not caring about it. And that means that you have overcame it. It's not like, Lord, give me patience with my kids. And all of a sudden he's like, Alakazam, ding. And you're just patient. The only way to learn to be a patient, kind, gentle mom is by being put in situations that you want to scream and throw a plate against the wall and you actually don't. And you're like, look at me, look at me. I didn't yell at my kids just now. I didn't lose it when this happened. I kept my cool. You will then learn to be a gentle parent by being put in situations that test your limitations because it's going to be hard. 
it's going to be hard to not let yourself get triggered. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard overcoming anything going through that tension. But if you go through the tension over time, you will grow. So you first need to spend time with God. Second, you need to stay close even when it's hard. We all know too in business, if you've, if you've ran a business, when business gets hard, I mean, it's going to get hard. If you're going to start a business, it's going to be hard. It is not going to be easy. And most people will quit when it gets hard. I had a team of 10,000 people and I can tell you majority of people quit when it first got hard. They're like, I just, I can't do this right now. You know, I have a lot going on with my family. I just, I can't put the time into this. They didn't say like, hey, this is too hard. I have to quit. They made up excuses of why they needed to quit because they didn't want to do this anymore. It's harder than they thought it would be. It's more work than what they anticipated putting in. Like, you know, I just, I thought this would be different. I, this isn't going to work for me right now. And I'm not saying that, you know, every time you quit, it's bad. There are some things that you should quit. There are areas of your life that you are very out of alignment with. And for whatever reason, you're just staying there. You want to, you want to just keep committing. You, you don't want to be a quitter. You feel like you'll be weak if you leave, but there's a lot of situations where you're actually really strong when you realize, hold on a second, this isn't me. This, this isn't what I align with. And you leave and you don't care what people say about you. I truly overcame rejection when I had to leave my business that I had spent seven years building and I had to quit because one, I was going to be a quitter. And I always look down on people who quit. Like, oh, look, they couldn't hang. Yeah, go ahead and quit. What else are you going to do? I was going to be one of those people who quit. And I was going to do this thing that all these people thought I was crazy for doing. And I didn't overcome that rejection until I had to. I had to go through it. I had to get rejected. I had to go through all the nastiness of leaving something. And now I don't care. And I got to the other side of it. But we know that when it gets hard, that's when you really need to show up. When your marriage gets hard, that's when you really need to keep showing up. When raising your kids is getting hard, and if you have teenagers or preteens, it's going to get hard, but it's okay. You can do it and you can get through it. That's not a time to quit is when it gets hard. You have to cling closer to Jesus more than ever in order to stay in his presence to know what to do in these situations. And the third one is patience to wait on your orders, you know, to be mentored by Jesus, spending time with him to learn his ways, staying close when it gets hard and then being patient and waiting for your orders. That's being mentored by someone. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is about Elisha and Elijah um, it's ones with an SH, Elisha looks like Alicia. Um, and Elijah is with a J. So I'll say Alicia. So it's a little easier, but if you want to read about Alicia and Elijah go, it's first Kings chapter 19. You can read about him. And there's just one scripture that I want to read. Uh, I love him so much because because he was just so patient. Alicia was so patient and was doing exactly what God called him to do. And Elijah came up and just absolutely changed his life. So the scripture says, so Elijah went and found Alicia plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Alicia was plowing with the 12th team. So think of that. You're on a field. There's 12 teams of people plowing with oxen and they're all of their equipment. There's 12 teams. He's on the 12th team. And Elijah, who was a prophet, went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. And that was a sign of, that was an act of like, come follow me. I'm throwing my cloak over you, like come and follow me. And remember towns weren't like they are right now. So it's not like you're in a busy city and this person walks past you on the street. 
you're plowing your fields. You have hundreds of acres or a hundred acres, 50 acres, 12 teams of oxen out there working. And this man, Elijah, who doesn't belong to this farm, who doesn't live in this area, finds you and walks up to you and throws his cloak over you to follow him. And it says immediately, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I will go with you. Because he was like, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go follow Elijah. He is going to have like, finally, this is what I've been waiting for. It's like me being obedient where God placed me in my home with my family and my kids. And all of a sudden I get a message on Instagram of someone who wants me to come and speak at an event. That's like me doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And this person throws a cloak around me. Okay. I didn't do anything different, but now I have this person that's like, Hey, I got a job for you. And you're like, Oh, okay. I have seen this happen over and over and over and over and over again in my life where I am focused and I am present and I am patient. And all of a sudden God hands me the next step. All of a sudden someone's in my inbox buying my course, or I see the perfect thing about a book. He immediately responds and is like, yes, I'm going to go kiss my mom and dad and I'm coming with you. But Elijah replied and said, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Because he wanted Elijah, Elijah wanted Elisha to really be honest with himself. Like, are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to do this? Don't, don't quit on me when it gets tough. Don't quit on me when you get tired. Are you truly ready? So Elisha returned to his oxen. This is kind of gr like gruesome. He returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate it. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. He not only was like, I'm ready to come with you, but he was like, I'm going to burn everything I even have. So I'm not coming back. There's no temptation to come back to this because I'm not going back. I'm going forward. So it's like, if you're trying to quit smoking, don't have cigarettes in your house or in your car. Because you're like, I'm not going back. I'm not keeping a spare set of cigarettes in my glove box in case it gets really bad and I want to smoke. No. If you're trying to stop drinking, don't have alcohol in your house. If you're trying to stop with lustful thoughts or stop being, um, stop dealing with infidelity or like delete the apps off your phone. If you're stop, you're, if you're going to try to stop sleeping around and having sexual sin while you're trying to find your husband, delete the Tinder app. Like don't go back to it. If you're trying to eat healthy and stop eating, stop having the food in your house. Like, don't go back to it because if you're ready to really follow God, you need to burn what's holding you back and you need to move forward. So for me, people ask all the time when I tell them about my network marketing story, like, why couldn't you just stay at your company and collect your $15,000 a month residual income that you had built and then go build something else? Isn't that kind of the whole point of network marketing? <laughs> throw out your TV. <laughs> yeah, no, do not. <laughs> but if Netflix isn't, okay, so I could really talk about Netflix for like a really long time because for so long I had so much shame and guilt that I would never watch Netflix because I felt like I needed to be doing more. Like I have so many things that I should be doing right now. I cannot be laying here watching Netflix. I need to work on my business. I need to write my book. I need to but I realized actually that overworking for something isn't what I had to realize that it doesn't matter how hard you work, um, how many hours you sacrifice, how many hours you work, like it doesn't matter. You're not going to get what God doesn't want you to get. Or if it's not ready, it's not ready. And this whole thought of plow your field and be like Elisha plowing your fields and the blessing comes to you, do what God wants you to do, do what's in front of you 
and God will bless you. It doesn't mean that you need to plot, plan and scheme to try to figure out. I mean, imagine if Elisha was like, I, I, I need to be, I need to be figuring out where Elijah is. I need to go follow Elijah. I need to, I, where is he at? How am I going to find him? And how am I going to meet up with him? And how am I going to do it? Just because he spent more time thinking and planning doesn't mean he got it. He got the blessing when he was standing still. And I realized that a lot of times I need to watch Netflix and turn my brain off. Like I need, like, just chill out for a second. Just chill out. You can watch Netflix. Nothing in life says that every single thing needs to be a struggle. And not every single thing needs to be a struggle. And if it feels good, it's guilty and it's terrible and you shouldn't do it. Like I have really felt so free and so amazing to let myself watch Netflix. Now, of course, like, could you be watching it 10 hours a day and you're totally not doing anything that you should? Yeah. And that's not healthy. And if you do it for one day, fine, like let yourself have a day and it's okay, but don't beat yourself up over it so much where you feel like I shouldn't be watching this. I literally had it programmed in my head. Lazy people watch TV, like lazy people watch TV. If I'm watching TV, I'm a lazy piece of crap. That's literally how I felt. Like I have no business watching this TV right now. I am so lazy. And that's not true. I make sure it's good things going into your brain. If you're sitting there for 12 hours watching things that you shouldn't, like watching Shameless. Okay. I watched the whole season of Shameless. I was a shameless lover. I watched it years and years and years ago. And I was the other day like, oh, let's rewatch this. And I started playing it. I'm like, let's not, let's not, we, I do not want to watch this. Like, this is not good to be putting into my brain for 12 hours um, to be watching this. So be conscious of what you're watching. God wants you not to be watching bad things, but I don't think that there's anything to feel guilty about with Netflix. I wish more people actually would take more naps and watch more Netflix. Like go chill out for a second, clear your list. And that's what you need. Especially if you're in the Valley and you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out and all of these emotions and you are on the verge of crying and you can't do this anymore. Please take a nap today and please go binge watch some Netflix. And then just focus on cleaning your house, organizing some things up today. Get some things off of your to-do list. Like that is literally all you need to do. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to say, because I know we're like way over right now, um, is if you're patient for your orders, they will come. The right thing will come if you are just focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. The world is going to try to trick you and tell you that you should be focused about this, focused about this job, focused about this goal, finishing this course, finishing this plan for your next launch, finishing. It's going to become an obsession. It's what you're going to be thinking about, but take control of your thoughts, be completely present at where you're supposed to be today, where God's going to use you today. And the blessings are going to come. It's promised. They're going to come. They're going to be here when the timing is right, when you're ready to receive them, when God's going to get the most glory, when God, when you're going to have to rely on God to help you. And when you're broken and you do those things and you really rely on him, it, it helps you to stay humble because you know that you're not achieving this in your own strength. Now you're realizing that it's God who's doing it for you. You're going to have passion about it because as you're coming out of the brokenness, like, like once you, like for me, I'm very passionate now about people just working themselves for money and for riches, because I know that it doesn't work. I was broken in that sense. And now since I've been healed, I now am passionate about this subject. I wouldn't be passionate about it if I hadn't been broken. If I hadn't gone through that valley, I wouldn't be passionate about the other side. When God gives you passion for something, you can emphasize, em empathize and relate to other people that are going through this. You're throwing people this rope and saying, hey, come this way. You're growing an army on the other side to defeat the darkness, to grow that, to live on purpose. Like, that's what a brand is. It all starts from being broken. You go through this whole thing. Now you can relate to other people. You can you can put your passion into them and inspire them to go do something better. And it's all because of the brokenness. If you weren't broken, you would never be passionate about that. If you were never broken, you could never relate to people about that. You can never throw them a rescue rope and say, hey, take, take this rope, take my hand. I can help you. 
it, like that's what this is about. God's trying to build his army. He is patient with us so that nobody will perish. That is what he put you here on this earth for. He said, now go and tell people about me. That is what your job is. That is what your assignment is. He doesn't want people to perish. So he is patient with us because he's buying us more time. And you're part of that army. We need more people on our army. If we need to fight for our kids in this world, if we need to fight for other women in this world that have been taken under with addiction and, and poor self-identity and self-worth and trauma and abandonment and abuse, if we're going to fight the dark side, we need more people on our army. And that is the point of these wake-up calls to wake up. There is a war to fight. Wake up. There are souls to save. Wake up. There is purpose out of your pain. You weren't gone. You didn't go through this pain for nothing. There is purpose from it. Don't let the devil hold you back and make you impatient and stress out in the current moment because he's going to win. And then, and then the pain was in vain. There was no reason for it. Don't let that happen. There is purpose to this. Be exactly who you are supposed to be in the place that you're supposed to be at and the blessings will come. They will come. So thank you for being on today and listening. I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. I hope you come back on Wednesday for more. Uh, and have a blessed week. If you need anything, you know where to find me. Please do not hesitate to reach out. I love you all. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley, and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.